Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the David Hockaday to my Marcello Bielsa. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How are you, Justin? I'm good, I'm good. Don't disrespect David Hockaday. Why? He started this. He started the Leeds Revolution. Exactly. It all started with David Hockaday. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose in the way that it couldn't have got much worse under Hockaday, then yes, you're right. <laughs> but There's that argument. There is that argument. Justin, we've got a lot to get through today. We've had three games with seven or more goals, a manager being sacked, <laughs> but most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, we have crowned the champions. It's Leeds United. They were promoted on Friday night without even kicking a ball. And there was Bedlam across West mm-hmm. Yorkshire, Justin. They fully deserve promotion, don't they? Oh yeah, definitely. I know you said the other week um, that Brentford, in your eyes, were the best team, but Leeds have risen to the challenge at every occasion. You know, you've seen this weekend West Brom and Brentford both not crumbling under the pressure, but not rising to it either. Leeds have got around that. They've smashed through the brick wall that they 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 encountered last season, um, and they've got over it. You know, we saw them fall apart last season. And it's the traditional Leeds thing to seeing Leeds are falling apart again but they're nowhere near that um, this season it's happening to other teams around them Um, so there must be so much relief and just well general jubilation that they've finally done it yeah absolutely it's a marvellous achievement for Marcello Bielsa he has given Leeds their mojo back there was a package on Sky on Friday night Justin after Leeds secured promotion and it went back over the last 10 years and it reminded me of all the turmoil and tough Mm. times they faced with you know Cellino in League One and some terrible managers over the years Leeds had lost what they were about but Bielsa has made them a side to be feared once again and no team in the Premier League will want to face them uh, next season this season they have suffocated teams with their relentless pressing breaking them down by playing some beautiful footballing creating chance after chance they're a joy to watch I'm going to miss talking about them but congratulations Leeds United because they have been superb all season haven't they let's get on to the match from today they beat their old rivals Derby 3-1 what a place Mm. to celebrate promotion it was a pretty straightforward win for Leeds in the end wasn't it despite picking their reserve side Uh, Derby (laughs) were fairly poor again weren't they do you know what that that's the most disappointing thing is Derby players should have a bit of a bee in the bonnet because Leeds are coming in as champions you should want to rise to that and try and turn them over but at no point did they look like they were even going to get close to that I know they went one a lot but it was against the run of play wasn't it um, Leeds were 
as good as they have been in most games, but it felt like they didn't get out of second gear, which again is, is testament to Bielsa because if you get almost a, you know, not to disrespect the players that are out there, but a B team squad, you know, Shackleton's been out for quite a large portion of this season, um, as an example. If you get a, you know, your second string out there and they still perform like the the, the first the first choice players, that's the signs of a, a good coach. We know we know Bielsa is, but that's testament to him. Yeah, and it says a lot about their squad depth as well, doesn't it? Because that's going to be majorly important going into the Premier League next season when there are so many games. And one thing that you need when uh, you are in the Premier League is a lot of squad depth, especially as players, you know, pick up injuries and what have you. So uh, that's a positive sign. And Derby fans, from their perspective, I suppose they're just waiting for the season to end now, aren't they? No, absolutely. You can almost feel the exasperation in Koku's post-match presses he wants the season to be done so he can try and improve the squad it, it seems like he's got as much as he can out of this current crop today almost showed how poor they were you know if it was poor against Cardiff it was poor it was even worse um, today they were so far off Leeds there's much to be done at Derby there is I think I don't think they're particularly miles away I'd say they need mm two or three new faces and uh, basically all the younger players to just get a year older and have a bit more experience <laughs> under their belt, really. Just finally on this game, what did you make of the Guard of Honour? I was, I don't know. I I asked the question, but no, no one responded to me in our, in our group <laughs> chat. <laughs> um, has it happened for you. <laughs> yeah. Has it happened in the Championship before? Because I, I genuinely, I can't remember a time where a team has given a Championship side a Guard of Honour. I imagine I mean, it has, but I can't remember it happening particularly. Well, you know, I'm a Derby fan. It's never happened to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I just can't remember a time I thought it was mainly for teams who win the Premier League, i.e. the champions of England. That makes sense. But a championship side, I've, just, I've never seen it before. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, away from Leeds, and it would seem no one else wants to go up with them. Both Brentford and West Brom lost this weekend. We'll start with West Brom, who were beaten 2-1 by Huddersfield on Friday night. It was a really subpar performance from the Baggies, wasn't it? They really struggled mm-hmm. to break Huddersfield down. No, absolutely. And they, they struggled um, against Blackburn as well the week before. That started to the, the creep in for them. Um, you can tell when a team is under pressure when they're almost going down at every occasion like Pereira for example any any time he could he could go over he did he took the opportunity Sam Johnston looked shaky um they were arguing bizarre decisions um, from the referee when and as i say that's when you sort of know when when teams are under pressure and they crumbled yeah. They, they absolutely crumbled. Yeah, so many big players didn't turn up, did they? The only one who was causing problems for Huddersfield was Matthias Pereira, as per usual. But Matt Phillips was anonymous. I forgot he was on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, Robson Carnu hardly affected the game. Ditto Grady D and Garner. Robinson and Grisicki looked a bit lively when they came on, but not nearly enough. And in the end, they were obviously very fortunate that Brentford didn't win on Saturday. But they're coming up against a QPR side on Wednesday, Justin, who suddenly looked, looked a lot more lively this <laughs> week. Weekend. More of them later. Uh, but this was obviously a massive result at the top of the table. But you can't un- underestimate how important it was at the bottom of the table either because Huddersfield massive. are now pretty much safe, not mathematically, but their goal difference means we'll almost certainly be seeing them in the championship next season. But not with Danny Cowley in charge because he's been sacked. Justin, what on earth are they thinking? Uh, I don't know. The... 
I honestly don't know. I saw a tweet from a guy who said he spoke to Danny Cowley this morning. He was saying how excited he was um, about starting the plans for next season. So whatever's happened uh, has come very, very suddenly. And also Huddersfield Town aren't accepting applications for the managerial mm. position. So what does that tell you? I presume it means they've got someone lined up. Exactly. Oh, I, I'm, I was... Two reasons why I was so angered by this. One, because Danny Cowley's done actually a very good job. A very good job. A really a very, good job. Yeah. Um, and as well as that, I was writing my notes on Huddersfield at the time they sacked them. <laughs> so I had to All do that my hard notes work. And go again. Yes. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't have I don't have the words for it. Um, no. They won. They won four times in twelve months, and then Cowley's come in. They've got thirteen. Since he's come in, he's he's turned the club around. They were going down. They were relegation certs. They were yeah. going down. They've done a good job, haven't they? They've turned the club around from one that had this negative aura around it and looked set to be yeah. in League One next season. Yeah. And then they've gone and done this. And I just, it makes no sense to me. I'm spitting feathers over this decision, Justin. And as well as that, the players that... Cowley brought in Stearman, Toffolo, Willock, Smithrow. They've all have a, they've all had an impact. Andy King as well. They've all had an impact in Huddersfield Town staying up. However, the ones that have come in before Isaac and Benzer, uh, Bockhorn. I have no idea. I forgot about Bockhorn completely. <laughs> Tommy Elphick's been injured. Fraser Campbell hasn't had an impact. Reese Brown's out on loan. Josh Crome's out on loan. That's probably more that I'm forgetting. But they're not. The recruitment's been terrible for two seasons at Huddersfield Town, and Cowley's had to deal with that. He's had to deal with the squads yeah. um, from from the from the last two seasons. I have no idea what they're thinking. I honestly don't. I, unless they've got David Wagner back, then yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see how they're going to get someone in who is going to do a better job than Danny Cowley next season. Because exactly. I, I was getting quite optimistic about Huddersfield not not getting promoted, but having a mm. better season than they've had this season. Honestly, but but I, t- I tell you what, th- there are sides that are going to be licking their lips, who are managerless. Oh yeah, well hold or on, Justin, we'll be don't get ahead of yourself, son. Uh, let's talk about Brentford because they had a glorious chance to overtake West Brom. All they needed was a point against Stoke, and they blew it, losing one nil thanks to a goal from Lee Gregory. I can't figure out if this was a case of Brentford being really poor mm. or Stoke just doing a number on them, but I think it was the latter. I think it was Stoke. Brentford, they still there were occasions where they got in behind, but they were mainly reduced to small chances. Mm. Um, there were times where decision making was a bit poor. Ollie Watkins had a chance to play. I think it was Mbomo in, but he had a shot instead. Um, but that will happen two or three times a game, I imagine, because the amount of chances they create. But as mm. I say, Stoke's defending and organisation was magnificent and they kept the most talented attack out uh, most talented attack in the division you know out that's testament to them and it's not a it wasn't a poor job from Brentford just Stoke were very very good on the day Mm, Brentford had all the possession but they had no idea how to break Stoke down did they and as as time went on it seemed like they were panicking because they weren't willing to take risks and every time they went forward it ultimately just went nowhere and if Brentford do end up in the playoffs then I think a Cardiff or a Forest might have been looking at this game and been thinking oh well that's one way to deal with them Uh, but well heading into the final day Brentford are once again hoping that West Brom drop points against QPR and they just have to better that result against Barnsley although it's worth pointing out Fulham could still get promoted but we'll Mm -hmm. talk about them in a sec Uh, but Stoke what a performance it was from them what a performance it was a pure masterclass from Michael O'Neill from Michael O'Neill who I'm now convinced is one of the best managers in the championship Justin 
what he's done at Stoke this season is just remarkable. He's turned well, the club around. Yeah. They look like they were heading straight down to League One, like Huddersfield. But there now seems to be an air of positivity for once. And it's something the club's been lacking for quite some time. I can't praise him enough. He's always been praised as a great man manager. And when you look at it, it's exactly what Stoke needed, isn't it? Well, I think there's certainly more to his game than man management. You look at Northern Ireland, tactically, they're, they're limited in what they can do. Um, player-wise, so tactically, they have to be switched on, and he and he's got he get, he got them organised. They got to a major tournament, for goodness' sake, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's testament to, to his ability. Um, he is a very very good manager, um, and as you said, that this result, for example, highlights his his ability as a as a tactician, as a as a coach, getting his team organised. You know, they they lost five 0 to Leeds um, only a week and a half ago. This could have been the same because of how talented Brentford are going forward, but you know, learn from their mistakes, um, and they and they got it going. Um, you just hope that there's a chance for something to to be built here under O'Neill. They need a big clear out, and he needs to bring his own players in. But I think he's a manager who can get them get them uh, going again. Yeah, well, Stoke are now mathematically safe, so we can look forward to seeing them next season. And I think under O'Neill, they could be very interesting. As you mentioned, they'll have to trim the wage budget by quite a bit. But I think the potential is there for Mm -hmm. maybe a playoff push next season because O'Neill is really taking them places. Off to Craven Cottage because, as mentioned, after the surprising round of results from this weekend, Justin, Fulham could still be automatically promoted on the final day after they beat Wednesday in what was a chaotic game. It finished 5-3, Fulham also having a man sent off. Uh, I don't even know where you start with this one because <laughs> there were some brilliant goals here. Cabano hit a lovely free kick under the wall and then Bobby Reid hit yeah. a power driver right at the end. That was a good goal. Yeah, really good goal. The game as a whole, first half, Fulham were brilliant and it looked like they were going to tear Wednesday a new one, but they decided to keep it interesting in the second half. You got to, haven't you? You, <laughs> you know, they, they spent so long being boring all season. They've got to spice it up. Um a bit, but you know the turnaround um, since oh, was it? It was the West Brom defeat, wasn't it? It was basically um, since Mitrovic got suspended. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, they got better when Mitrovic <laughs> wasn't there. They slotted him back in, um, and they they have improved. You know, I think this game almost highlights um, how they've improved bizarrely going forward. Especially, you know, they're taking more risks. They're 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 pushing players forward. They're leaving gaps. Um, you know, there's 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 an opportunity there for for this Fulham side to to perform really really well, and the fact that Cabano, who's you know scored his first goal for three years, has come in and played as well as he has, got a couple of goals, almost shows you that perhaps their recruitment last summer was almost sort of square peg round hole kind of thing. Um, they brought in very direct players, where whereas they needed players to fit Scott Parker's system, you know, patient play and whatnot, um, and I think Cabano fits the bill uh, in, in some ways but again it almost highlights the strength and depth as well there's quality in this Fulham side and they now have a sniff of the automatics so well quality has never been um, a question with Fulham has it we all know how much quality they've got there it's just they needed the right man to you know implement um, getting the most out of the players that were there but it's something that Scott Parker has struggled for, with for a lot of the season but because they've had so much quality they've still managed to push through and get results on the board um, just quickly on this game what did you make of Wednesday's penalty? Um, I can't remember it now it's basically I can't remember who the player was but a Sheffield Wednesday player has come in from the right 
and Rodak has slid at his feet. Oh, yeah, no, that was a good tackle. Yeah. I thought that was a good tackle. It was one of the strangest decisions of the season. I just can't fathom how that's a penalty. Because I, think, I think he's given it for a foul by Marek Rodak because he's the only player who's made any contact with another player, but he's clearly got the ball. No, that, that was, I thought that was a really good tackle. Yeah. If a defender makes that, I'm, I'm buzzing. That's a yeah. good tackle. I have no idea why he's given that as a penalty. I don't think Rodak could have got more of the ball unless he just picked it up with his hands. Uh, but, mm. well, all eyes will be towards the last game of the season on Wednesday then, Justin, because... Fulham need to win away at Wigan, but they're also relying on West Brom losing to QPR and Brentford not winning against Barnsley. So it's unlikely, but this is the championship. And as we've seen this weekend, anything can happen. Right, let's go to the relegation battle, which is incredibly confusing with Wigan's points deduction, if it does happen. Uh, But I'll just quickly explain who is where at the moment, Justin, if you don't mind. So Hull are down, although not mathematically yet, uh, because the goal difference pretty much means they are down. Uh, Then further up, this is where it gets a bit more confusing because Barnsley have given themselves a chance of staying up after winning against Forest today, but they've got to win at Brentford. Then Luton in the relegation zone at the moment on 48 points, which is the same number as Charlton. But if Wigan are deducted points, then they'd be on 46. And then Luton would be outside of the bottom three. Then just above all these sides are Birmingham and Middlesbrough, who are only two points ahead of Luton and Charlton, so are at risk of relegation. But if Wigan are deducted points, then they're not. Do you follow? I'm on it. Obviously, the Wigan points deduction is subject to appeal, but at the moment, we can only assume it is happening. But on Wednesday, we could end up with a situation where teams don't know whether they're actually relegated or not. It's a massive mess, really. <laughs> we'll start off with that game. That means Hull will almost certainly be playing in League One next season after losing 1-0 to Luton. The situation at Hull just makes me incredibly sad, Justin. Hmm. No, definitely. It's um, Well, we've seen the, not, not asset stripping, but they've sold players and not replaced them with players that are good enough. You know, yeah. they... they the players that have gone over the years, you know, you look at Tom Eves and Josh McGuinness that have come in, they're not going to hit double figures goal-wise. You sell Bowen, you bring in Malik Wilkes, who hasn't got a game at Barnsley all season. He might be a good player, but you know, he's still incredibly raw at this level. Um, it's been an absolute, to be honest with you, shit show uh, at Hall. And it's it's been a downward spiral. They've They've lost good managers, They've lost good players. They haven't replaced any. No, they deserve to go down because they've been abhorrent in 2020. Everything about the club is just wrong at the moment. The ownership, management, the squad, all Mm -hmm. of it has contributed to this massive mess that is Hull City. And there needs to be a lot of change. They've got six points from a possible 57. That is... Unbelievable! I don't even know where you start with that. Everything just needs to be dug up and just started again. Because, uh, but then it, that's not going to happen, is it? It's no, not, that's, they're not going to do it. The no, nothing's going to change until the ownership changes. It needs to. Everything needs to change, and we need to start at the very top because otherwise, Hull, we're not going to see them in the championship for some time, long time. until that happens. Yeah. Um, Luton's unbelievable turnaround continues, though. The scenes when Loire Loire scored the winner in this game was super, superb Justin it shows the togetherness at Luton doesn't it and the team mm. spirit seems to be amazing at the moment 
No, definitely. I, the, you know, I think it even pulled on my heartstrings a bit just seeing <laughs> that the, the passion, the raw passion, come out. It was, it was a sight to behold. Um, but you know, since Joan, since Nathan Jones has come in, they, they've been organised, they've been driven, resilient. You know, everything that they've missed to turn losses into draws and draws into win all season, it's there now. Um, they've got ten points uh, from twelve in away games since since football returned. They've Super. only conceded one goal in that time. That was yeah. against Leeds. That's not look, that is organisation, that is ability and quality. Um, and it's, you know, Luton are, are doing the, the thing that Hull City should be doing and at least putting in absolutely everything you've got. Um, because we know Luton aren't up there with quality, mm. but they've got a lot of heart and they're, and they're clawing their way out of the relegation zone. Yeah, we had our doubts whether Nathan Jones would be able to turn things around at Luton in such yeah. a short space of time but he's mm. managed to do it and the squad seems really galvanised at the moment it's remarkable Absolutely. really yeah. uh, well they go into the last game of the season in the relegation places but with Wigan they'll technically be outside basically last day of the season they need to get a better result than Charlton and then they'll have nothing to worry about in terms of relegation. Uh, speaking of Charlton, they had a massive game against Wigan, which finished 2-2 after a 92nd-minute equaliser. And it's a goal that could end up being massive for Charlton because they'd have been in the bottom three, whether Wigan had a points deduction or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so weird how <laughs> it's it's gone about um, those last few weeks because Charlton have been playing really well. They just they haven't been getting the wins. Mm. Um, obviously Wigan are in the position they're in because of the administration that adds such uh, you know such an effect or well, a domino effect on everything around the uh, the relegation zone but you know for Charlton it's fr- it must be frustrating for them because they've missed they've missed chances again you know Bond had a one-on-one um, I know he's I know he's you know stuck the equaliser in there but it's the least he should have done after missing another <laughs> a guilt edge chance, um, but that's where they are at the moment. Um, they're just missing that little bit of quality to pull them up the table, um, and that's pretty much what's affected them all season. Well, they lost um, Gallagher, which is a bit of quality, and obviously Taylor as well. Yeah, the, well, this result means they're now outside the relegation zone for the time being, but they've got Leeds on the final day. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Bielsa picked a weaker team again, but. Bielsa will still be looking for three points, won't he? So it's not going to be easy for Charlton. Um, It needs to be said, even if Charlton do go down, and you kind of just alluded to it then, that Lee Bowie has done a marvellous job, hasn't he? Because the squad, in the time that he has been there over the last year, has changed so much. And Mm. he's done pretty much as well as he can with the tools available, hasn't he? Again, the thing that Lee Bowie has done, he's, he's adapted to every single... Uh, issue that's happened, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. He adapted. Um, players uh, obviously not renewing contracts. He's gone to a four-four-two. That's for me. That's the sign of a good manager. He's, he's yeah. adapting his squad to to what he's got um, on his plate. And again, not to bring Hull City into it, but you know, it's taken Hull twenty odd games to change to a four-four-two. Um, you know, McCann's taken that long to adapt. Not trying to criticise McCann but just trying to compare him to Bowie Bowie's done it on every single occasion where he's needed to do it and he's and it's worked for him on, on for, the, for the large portion um, of the games that they've played yeah he's been dealt not just a tough hand he's been dealt numerous tough hands and here and every oh, time yeah. he's managed to pull through uh, Wigan let's, sorry, sorry let's just consider the fact that they lost Joe Rebo, Patrick Bauer yeah key players in the summer Lyle well. Taylor Gallagher Lyle. 
God knows, the list just goes on and on yeah. for Charlton. Every single good player that's come across Charlton this year, yeah, they've, they've, gone. they've lost. Yeah. yeah, and Lebo has still managed to pull through. So it'll be a real shame if Charlton were to go down and it makes Lebo look like he hasn't done a good job, but he really, really has. Uh, Wigan could have really done with holding on to the three points here, Justin, because it mm. means they need to win on the final day and hope that results go their way to avoid any doubt about going down. But they're playing Fulham, so it's going to be tricky. However, Wigan, one loss in 14, so you wouldn't bet against them. But obviously, everything's up in the air with that points deduction, isn't it? Um, Barnsley won 1-0 against Forest, giving them a chance of staying <laughs> up on the final day somehow. Uh, but they have to win against Brentford, although this weekend shows that the championship is bloody unpredictable. But what a performance from Barnsley, who played very well against Leeds as well, despite losing yeah. on Thursday. They're showing that they're not going down without a fight. No, and I said against Wigan that Struber looked, he looked defeated, he looked done. Um, but the Leeds, the Leeds game, although they 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 lost, you know, they, they created so many chances, and again, it's just that little bit of quality that they needed, um, just to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and the, I saw a graphic, you know, in terms of chances created, uh, their the goal conversion rate, they're twenty third in the league. Um, that shows you that you know they are creating chances, just not putting them away. It's a bit of a cliche, but that unfortunately is what gets you out of the relegation zone. But you know they picked up a one 0 win against Forest. Patrick uh, Patrick Schmidt with a you know last minute equal, uh, well last minute winner, sorry, as he's done um, on previous occasions this season. Fair play to them. They're 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 doing what they need to do. Yeah, it's it's, it's good to see. I feel sorry for the teams that are down there because Barnsley, Wigan. Luton and Charlton have all been dealt so many blows this season and all the players all those squads seem to have a real togetherness about them and whoever goes down it feels like it'll be harsh for them to go down whereas Hull for example deserve to go down because everything at that club at the moment is just terrible but those four sides it looks like two of them are going to be going down and being in League One next season, but it's going to be incredibly harsh on whoever it is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, as you said, it was a strange game because Barnsley absolutely smashed Forest, and you wouldn't have guessed that Barnsley was set to be relegated while Forest were in the playoffs. But there you go. Uh, although Forest aren't automatically, aren't mathematically confirmed for the playoffs yet, um, but they are asking for <laughs> Swansea to win and then. They've got to lose 4-0 to Stoke. So you'd imagine it will be all right. But they are without a win in five games now, which is not ideal preparation well, heading into the playoffs, is it? No, definitely not. And you don't want to be in that position going into the last day of the season. You want to be up, not that, Well, actually, no, you do want to be in a position where you can rest players. You know, I mean, even Cardiff have got to go and get a result. But those teams in the playoff places are not in a position where they can rest players on the last day of the season because they've all got something to play for. Forest and Cardiff have got to consolidate the pace uh, the playoffs. Fulham and Brentford and, and West Brom are wanna they want to hunt down hunt down the automatics. Um and the reason why I say rest players, well they've got less of a turnaround um between the end of the season and the playoffs uh, this season because of how tight the games are. So resting players at this point would be quite important. And um as you say Forest have got you know picked up some really bad habits and they've got to go all guns out again on the final day of the season to make sure that they finish fifth. Mm. It's worth pointing out that Forest and Cardiff both 
literally need a point and they'll be all right. But we'll talk about the playoff race in a sec, Justin, because this is the end of part one. In part two, we'll look at the playoff race and discuss some of the news from the past week. If you could see us recording, you would notice that Justin and I generally wear a different football shirt almost every week. There's nothing that fuels nostalgia more than an old football shirt. And guess where you can get them? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk Absolutely. I spent plenty of money there and got myself some cracking purchases. Just recently, I started sporting an AZ Outmar training shirt and a Hoffenheim training jumper. So pretty different. Exactly that. And it's not just football shirts. You can get training wear, footballs, boots and match-worn stuff from former pros. There genuinely is something for everyone, no matter which side you support. So find what you're looking for at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Let's talk about the playoffs, Justin, because that's gone from being one of the tightest parts of the championship to suddenly being pretty much said and done because Cardiff are three points clear of everyone else now and the only side who could catch them are Swansea, but Cardiff are playing Hull on the last day and I don't believe in miracles. Well, Cardiff are there after beating Middlesbrough 3-1 and it was a very good performance from Neil Harris's side again, wasn't it? No, absolutely. They, they look really good. And I have to say, I, I said it when he got appointed, and I said it uh, on occasion this season, that I, I do love Neil Harris. I, he doesn't get enough credit, uh, and people refer to him as Neil, well, almost a Neil Warnock Jr. at times, which is complete bollocks. Um, <laughs> he's, he's tactically switched on, and he, he's got the best out of forgotten men at Cardiff City. Curtis Nelson, Will Volks, and Lee Tomlin weren't getting game time under Neil Warnock, but He's turned them around. They've all and they've all been massive for Cardiff City, um, especially in uh, post uh, well, when football returned. Um, and I have to say, I do fancy Cardiff in the playoffs, mainly because of Neil Harris. Um, it's just whether there's enough uh, in the side goals wise to to see them over the line. They don't score the most, but neither are they the most resolute defence. Well, defensively, uh, they've looked a lot better since uh, the restart. Uh, Morrison is playing the best he has since pretty much since he got promoted a couple Mm -hmm. of seasons ago. And then Curtis Nelson alongside him, they're looking like a really solid partnership at the moment. And they're going to be key heading into the playoffs. But the way they're going at the moment, as you say, you've got to think that if they try and uh, just play their own game and maybe stand off, I don't know, a Brentford or something like that and stay <laughs> solid, then they could do it because as we saw with Brentford over the weekend, they really struggled to break down a side when you do just sit off them. Uh, but mm-hmm. in this game, Cardiff were fairly brutal and it sums mm-hmm. up how good they've been since lockdown. Uh, they've been a different side. Uh, Middlesbrough, not a great performance from Neil Warnock's players against his old side. They aren't mathematically safe, but considering Wigan... And the fact Charlton and Luton both have to win, they should be all right. But who knows? But this wasn't a good performance from them, was it? No, and it's you know, <laughs> I, I, it's almost a case of saying, "Wow, um, they're going into the final se- uh, final day of the season, probably needing at least a draw to make sure they're probably safe." Um, and we wouldn't have thought that when well, we didn't think that when Warnock came in. We, we I think we both said, you know, that's it. They're staying up. They've they brought in Neil Warnock. He he will know what to do with this side. You know, his, his form was better with that Rotherham United side, who were generally terrible, um, than it has been with a marginally better um, Borough side. But I don't know. Maybe that tells you where Borough are at the moment. Um, but as I say, yeah, results have been fairly indifferent for Warnock. Um, and as I said, you know, they're 
looking over the shoulder nervously to make sure they can at least get a result when the teams below them don't. Yeah. I keep mentioning the points deduction, but it, at this moment in time, all they've got to do is just kind of just make sure, haven't they? And not leave it up to that appeal that could be decided God knows when. Well, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you know, it, relying on an appeal um, or relying on an EFL charge is just a terrible way of going about it, isn't <laughs> it, for any football club? Yeah, that, that maybe just focus on the pitch. Uh, Swansea beat Bristol City 1-0 thanks to a goal from Connor Roberts. A fairly even game, actually, that Bristol City will be disappointed not to have got a point from, but nonetheless, it is a win that Swansea needed. However, as mentioned, they are relying on Cardiff dropping points and that is looking fairly unlikely on the last day, isn't it? No, absolutely. But, you know, Swansea are quite similar with the relegation size. And I've said it already that they're you know, going at it with a with a bit of a fight. Um, and, you know, they're going into, as I say, going into the last game of the season with the playoffs in their sights. Um, but that's to the detriment of Steve Cooper. He's, he's done a really good job. He's had to rely on youngsters. Um, so what he's achieved this season is, is is quite significant, you know. Compare that to Cardiff City, Forest, Fulham, Brentford—they've all spent money, um, whereas Swansea haven't. They've brought in loans, frees, and players we completely forgot existed. So, mm. you know, fair enough to Steve Cooper. Yeah, he's done a good job, Antti. They've yes. looked a lot better since lockdown, but their form just before lockdowns what's really cost them yeah. any chance again in the playoffs. So. It's a, it's something to work on, isn't it? But the one concern that you would say is that they've got a lot of players on loans and you don't yeah. know how many of them are going to get back next season. Uh, it's Bristol City's first loss since Lee Johnson was sacked. But again, not a bad performance from them. Mm. They've got Preston on the last day, which at one point looked like it could be deciding the playoff race. Um, but not the case anymore. Speaking of Preston, they beat Birmingham 2-0. It's a result that leaves Blues in a bit of trouble. But similarly to Middlesbrough, Charlton and Luton would both need to win and that's before you even mentioned Wigan. Nonetheless, it's no win in 13 now for Birmingham and they're another club who are starting to look in a bit of a state, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, there there is the outside chance of them going down like there is for Borough. It's unlikely, but it can still happen. You, you, know, see you can't you can't take anything for granted there in the championship. Um, but, you know, they're going to need another last day, another last day uh, escape, which is... You know, consider the money they spent, the position they're in, is an absolute travesty. It's it's ridiculous. They've got some really good players. They've got Jeremy Bella, Dan Cowley, Jude Bellingham, um, Sunjic. They spent they spent a lot of money, and they got goals in in, in Lukas Jukovic and, and Scott Hogan. Um, but it hasn't worked post lockdown. Defensively, I think they are weak. I'm not a fan of Harley Dean or Mark Roberts. Um, you know, we, we like Maxim Collin and Christian Pedersen. So where has it gone wrong for Birmingham City? Where has it gone? Uh, wrong? I've seen a lot of Blues fans who are, are really angry with everything that's going on at the moment, and it seems like if there were fans there, there would be a really toxic atmosphere at St oh, Andrews yeah. at the moment. But luckily, <laughs> there aren't any fans there. Uh, but the, the heat is really on there at the moment, and it seems like a lot needs to change there as well because they're lucky that their bad form didn't start earlier; mm. otherwise, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, the club just badly needs a bit of stability, doesn't it? And they need to get in a young manager who will stay at the club for longer than a season. Luckily, I've heard a certain Mr Cowley is available, Justin. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of that? I say, I, last couple of drops that have come up, you've said a young manager. You're getting a bit ageist, aren't you? 
Well, I just think there are so many young managers available at the moment and taking someone who has a bit of potential takes you up to the next level. And Mr. K- uh, Danny Cowley, I just call him Mr. Cowley. <laughs> Danny Cowley, uh, would, he, I think he would fit the bill at Birmingham because the style of play is relatively similar. It just seems like it would be a good fit for all parties involved, really. I think Cowley would be looking elsewhere. The Birmingham City job for me, for any manager, is I wouldn't go there. But we thought he would be looking at a different job when he took the Huddersfield one, didn't we? That just came out of nowhere. Um, but let's move on because it was quite an impressive performance from Preston. They mm-hmm. maybe should have won this game earlier. Uh, this result leaves them eighth and five points behind Cardiff. Uh, we'll finish off with two games that both had seven goals just in. It was QPR four, Millwall three. It's a result that means Millwall's playoff hopes are now over. They'd have been two points off Cardiff with a win, but it wasn't to be. And they'll have looked back on this as a missed opportunity to finish in the top six, won't they? No, absolutely. And, you know, QPR struggled to score really since the football returned. So, you know, for them to get four goals against a, a Millwall side that are still quite good defensively is a massive surprise. And obviously, mm. you know, Millwall have been a fairly, you know, hot and cold team since, as I said, since football returned. So, really, really would be frustrated if you're Gary Rowett because you know there's potential in that side to, to, do, to do a bit more. But I think, you know, with a with another striker and another winger, I think I think Millwall could be a playoff team next season. Yeah, well, it's definitely a season to build on, isn't it? But they will be looking at this and be thinking maybe we should have got in the playoffs this season, especially with some of the results they've had since lockdown. Uh, but this is more like the QPR side we all know and love, Justin, isn't it? Scoring yes. freely, defending poorly. It's good to see them back. It's like Mark Warburton's just flipped a switch. Said, "Just do what he did before. I don't care." <laughs> Need a win. <laughs> it's, it seems to work, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I said this game will be last on Thursday's episode, Justin, but they tried the best to make me change my mind, but it was Blackburn 4, Reading 3. A meaningless game, but it was a fun one. Oh, yeah, seven goals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> injecting a bit of life into mid-table mediocrity, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. Um, well, the only thing I can really um, add about this game is that running manager, Mark Bowen, said something a bit interesting after the game. He said, the end of the season couldn't come soon enough and there'll be a significant amount of change in the summer, which is a very interesting quote. I'm not entirely sure what he means about that because, of course, he was uh, had a more senior role, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> I, I can't, what was it? Was he club Sport director? director? Sporting, Sporting director. director. Yeah. So... Whether he's thinking of maybe going back to that role and giving someone like else a chance, combining combining both roles and, combining and then being head of recruitment as well, <laughs> he can do. Who that. knows? We'll be interested to see. Let's get onto the news, Justin, because next season we'll be joined by Wickham Wanderers after they got yes. promoted to League One uh, in the playoff final. How exciting! You're looking forward to talking about Wickham next season. I am actually. I, I'm incredibly intrigued um, by them. You know, I, I watched the playoff final last week and. The, <clears throat> They're of course incredibly defensive. I think they were twenty third for like possession, yeah. <laughs> or just all of it compared to Oxford uh, as well. But you know, delighted for them because one of the lowest budgets in in league in League One. You know, behind the likes of Portsmouth, Sunderland, Oxford, you know, fairly big clubs at that at that level is it's a massive achievement. It's, in fact, it's you know one of the most impressive achievements of recent memory that I can think of. Um, yeah. So yeah, really happy, and I really hope that we can return to ground by the time the away trip to Adams Park comes, because I really <laughs> want to visit visit yeah. their ground. 
I'm looking forward to seeing Wickham in the Championship. I'm looking seeing looking forward to seeing Gareth Ainsworth, who has really performed admirably, hadn't he, at, uh, at Wickham he's, over the past few seasons. He's also cool as fuck. He oh, is awesome. yeah. Yeah, his dress sense is something that more managers should take notice of. Uh, but Wickham will undoubtedly be favourites to go down next season. Do you fancy them uh, to maybe stay up? Because, as you mentioned, they've... I don't think many teams will fancy playing Wickham next season with their style of play. No, no, absolutely not. And I think they can pick up results. It's going to be a struggle for them. Um, but with a couple of players here and there, I think Gareth Ainsworth, you know, it's it's a very it's very different to the likes of Luton and Barnsley that have come up. He's he's more of a, you know, squad togetherness, um, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think that is their sort of USP in a way. Um, their unique style of play is, is, is getting the team together Um so I hope they can definitely go, you know, stay up with a with a bit of a fight or go down fighting, as as the saying is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do next season. Adebayo Akinfenwa has got a new contract, so we'll yes, be seeing him next that'll be season. Interesting. Exciting times. Uh, we now know when the transfer window is going to be just in. It's going to open in a week's time, and then it will close in October which is quite a long time when you think about it, but it will almost certainly mean the transfer window will be open when the next season starts. Are you a fan of that? I, um, I'm indifferent. I'm not really bothered. <laughs> well, the, the argument is that the seat, everyone was always saying that the transfer window should be shut before football is, starts again. And now we're going to have, well, I've seen a few mentions of it potentially starting again at the end of next month uh, or maybe in September. So it seems like the transfer window is going to be open for maybe, you know, two months or so while the football's going on. So it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact on uh, the actual football itself. Uh, individual leagues are going to decide whether they want to carry on using five substitutes next season. What would you want, Justin? Uh, it doesn't really make sense to carry on next season for this sort of for the return to football it it was needed because of the amount of games play, players will be playing in a in what in in, in a four week sort of period of time yeah. six week period of time it was needed don't need it going into the new season I don't think yeah I I'll be very disappointed if it does carry on because it only seems to benefit the big teams in my view the teams that have got more squad depth as opposed to a smaller side who you know doesn't have as much depth so. Whether it happens or not, we'll have to wait and see. Some transfer news for you. Jude Bellingham has completed a medical at Borussia Dortmund ahead of his proposed transfer from Birmingham. Set to move for £26 million. I'm glad this transfer saga is coming to an end, Justin, because we seem to have mentioned it a hell of a lot over the past few months. But £26 million, is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got one one season of football under his belt. £26 million for a 17-year-old is... A lot of money. I, I, yeah. I mean, athletically, he's there, isn't he? It's, it's just developing the other side of his game. To be there at that age of 17 is, is you know, you, you've got a good few years coming ahead of you. Um, yeah. yeah you know, I just look forward to seeing him progress, really, because Dortmund is the place to go, I think. Yeah, Dortmund's definitely the right club for him, isn't it? And uh, as you mentioned, he is very young still. He's still very raw, but... If they manage to develop him right, then they're going to have one hell of a player on their hands. Worth pointing out that Dortmund had four cars waiting for him when, uh, yeah, he, this was <laughs> when he went to get um, his medical. And they all drove off in different directions to try and hide him from the German media, which Bam- I'm very bamboozling. much 
Bamboozling indeed. Uh, Brighton have indicated that Ben White is part of their plans for next season, although there are still numerous reports that Leeds will still try to make his loan permanent. Uh, One thing that I've been thinking of, Justin, now that we know Leeds are definitely going to be in the Premier League next season, is that they definitely need to sort out the centre-back position, don't they? Mm-hmm. If they are going to be in, well, they are going to be in the Premier League next season, and there, there are actually quite a few positions they need to sort out because I know they've been linked with uh, numerous strikers, a centre back as well. So they've got the work cut out in recruiting, haven't they? Yeah, and you also consider the fact that Dallas, Ailing, Cooper, Berardi, um, Click—they're all over the age of twenty-eight, mm. twenty-eight and over. Um, so it's, they're not a young bunch. Um, so in terms of this style of play that Bielsa implements, how long have they got where they can be optimum um, play at that optimum level is 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 an interesting thought. But um, yeah, centre back is will be a problem area as soon as Ben White leaves the club. Yeah, honest. it's definitely something they need to strengthen. And if they can't get Ben White back, and also Jack Harrison's only on loan, isn't he? Although I, I imagine he he might end up going back next season. They've extended we'll his loan. Oh, have they? Yeah, well, there you go. He'll definitely be there then. Uh, and then the only final bit of transfer news is this story, which I find very strange, Justin. QPR winger Bright Say Samuel is reportedly set to join Club Brugger for £5 million, which is a weird move because I'd have thought they could probably get more than £5 million, really. Yeah, he's got a year left on his deal, so I'm not surprised that the, the, the fee is that much. It's, it's a good deal for both sides, I think. Weird that he's going to Belgium though, isn't it? It's it's where it's it's just a place to be, you know. Is it? Kemal <laughs> Roof went there. It's it's a nice country, Sam you know, it's not too far away from England. You know, there's good beers. Good go beers in Belgium as well, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Belgium. Uh they'll be in a bit of trouble though, QPR, won't they, if they if they lose him and Eze next season. Well, it'd be interesting to see if they can actually reinvest the money because they've been cash strapped for a couple of seasons, which is why we tipped them to go down uh, this season at the start of the season because um, they weren't they, they weren't able to spend any money. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do with the money that they do bring in. Yeah, definitely need to replace the two of them if they do go, don't they? Right, let's get on to the Craig Bryson pub quiz, Justin. This is the part of the show where Justin is going to give me six clues about a championship legend. All I've got to do is guess who they are. They will have made 200 championship appearances at least and will have played in the championship relatively recently. So, Justin, can you give me the first clue, please? I made 288 appearances, scoring 47. Oh, well, okay. Um, that is I can't, that's an interesting scoring record because that's just shy of one in four so that sounds like a striker or a very like a one in six one in six one in, it's around there isn't it um, I, it's the first clue you, you're getting stressed about I know I'm, I'm thinking about it too much but I just think one in four, one in six for a midfield is quite a lot. So I'm going to assume it's a striker. And I'm going to go with Brett Pittman. No. Great shout. <laughs> forgot about Brett Pittman. Go on. Uh, I made my debut in English football in 2009 before going on to play for three more sides in the Championship. 2009 would imply he's still playing. So, three more sides in the Championship... I'll go. How old would it be? 2009. I'm going to assume he made his debut around 19. So he'll be 30. Uh, 
there's a lot of, there's a lot of overthinking today yeah, there's a lot of speculating <laughs> that's going on here um let's see if there's any method to my madness uh i'll gotta pick a striker who's in his 30s luke varney no no remember luke varney because you robbed me of a uh... yeah because you accused him of not being a championship legend which yeah, is not extremely harsh legend. he's not a championship legend right. get over it no me get over it <laughs> um <laughs> anyway i have played in the champions league europa league but never the premier league what Ooh. Champions League Ooh. oh wow okay Ooh. this is a mind bender Champions League Europa League so that implies that he's foreign or Scottish <laughs> Champions League Europa League but never the Premier League mm. um, I'm going to go Pablo Hernandez no he played in the Premier League for Swansea Damn it, of course he did. Despite being incredibly consistent in the championship for six years, I only played seven times for Scotland. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, what clue is this? Four. Yes. Okay, so Scottish striker. Is it Stephen Fletcher? No, he's played no, in the Premier League. What am I saying? Oh! I don't think Stephen Fletcher has played in the Champions League. Might have done. Definitely I can't remember who he played for in Scotland. <laughs> Hibs. Oh, OK. Um, you might get it on this one. Uh, I played in the Europa League while at Birmingham City. Europa League for Birmingham City? Oh, wow. Oh, this is a mind-bender, isn't it? Europa League for... Is it... Chris Burke? It is Chris Burke. Thank God. For that. Who do you play in the Champions League for? Rangers. Oh, okay. That's a long time ago. I, hang mm-hmm. on a minute. He made his debut in 2009. For Cardiff City. Oh, Championship debut. Yes. Oh, you got me. Okay. I made my debut in English made... football. Right. You tricky little bugger, you. Oh, yes. That was a good one, though. Chris Burke is definitely a Championship legend. Have we done yeah. that before? I don't I think like we, we have. have. I feel like I'd remember it. Um, but he's played for Rotherham, Forest, uh, and of course, Cardiff City. And Chris Burke is a quality player. A really oh, I good loved player. Him. Football he, manager, he was unbelievable. I tell you what, he his assist record yeah. was unbelievable. He had that one season with Birmingham where I think he got about 40 goals and assists. Something like that. It was unbelievable. It was a season they played in the Europa League and he got player of the season that season. I'm not bloody surprised. <laughs> At what a the best seasons the championship players ever had but ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening as per usual but this has been the second tier podcast we're slowly winding down towards the end of the season now it's the final day on wednesday so you'll hear us again on thursday when we'll go through everything that has happened and then we've got the playoffs we're there justin Ooh, the we are there i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.